Good evening, everyone. Welcome, everyone, here to Our Lady of Wisdom as we begin this most sacred time in the Church's calendar, the Sacred Triduum, by the celebration of this Mass of the Last Supper of the Holy Eucharist. Especially, we want to welcome all of our Lycanar Catechumens and their sponsors, those who are preparing for baptism or confirmation or to be received in a full communion with the Church on the Easter, or at the Easter Vigil. Also, in a special way, we want to welcome uh, four of our seminarians, who are all deacons, who in just a few weeks will be ordained to the priesthood for another great celebration. We're happy to have them here. As most of you may know, each year I try to have a theme for my preaching during the course of the Triduum in the hopes that maybe those who attend all three liturgies can make it somewhat of a small retreat. And as I talked about uh, this past Palm Sunday, I mentioned that the Holy Week, being this most sacred and important time of the year, of the Church's calendar, is marked by the most beautiful, the most intricate, the most solemn of the Church's liturgies. And why? Because the Church, like so many cultures and civilizations before, use ritual, use liturgy to mark out those things that they've considered important, worthy of respect, those things that are sacred, worthy of reverence. And so I think that most of us can appreciate this at least intellectually. It makes sense. And we understand the mysteries we are celebrating today are very important. And these liturgies with all the rites and the rituals and the customs are crucial. But although we may understand it intellectually, the truth is sometimes it's still very hard for us to enter into it. To be able to really get something out of it. To really appreciate it in depth in our souls and the core of our being. These long masses, so much chanting with the smells and the bells and all of these different processions and rites and rituals. It's difficult during the Triduum, and the root truth is, for a lot of people, it's difficult during the year. Why do we have to do these things each Sunday? Why does Mass have to be like it is? And so many of us do struggle with the meaning and the importance of ritual. We often feel like we're not being fed, just going through the motions, the same thing Sunday after Sunday. And so we've seen a lot of Catholics leave the Catholic Church, leave the traditions, the Mass, the ritual, leave the Eucharist for Evangelical and other churches. And so what I'd like to do over the course of the next three days is to make an attempt to give us a deeper appreciation of the liturgy, specifically how we can better open ourselves to receive the gifts, the graces, and the blessings that the Lord intends to give us in the liturgy. So we'd say the theme would be how to receive more at Mass and allow the liturgy to really sort of come to fruition in our lives, to change and transform it. But in order to do so, it's not just going to be important for us to understand why the liturgy is important, but to be able to understand some very basic truths that I think a lot of times maybe we don't recognize or we're not aware of 
that can help us enter into more deeply the mystery of the Mass. And this is the first thing, though, that we have to understand. It's something that maybe we take for granted or maybe we really don't understand. That above and beyond anything, the Mass is a prayer. When we come to Mass, we are engaging in a prayer. And you know, I'm not sure that I really understood that when I was growing up. Even though I had my Baltimore Catechism, I went to CCD. So often I thought that we went to Mass to pray. And so we would go, I would go, and we do our prayers, often before Mass, maybe after Mass. But it's almost as if, at least in my experience, that the praying was separate than the Mass. We simply showed up, we were at Mass, and we were there to do our own prayers. And we did our prayers, and then we sort of did the rituals, the singing, the smells and the bells. They didn't have smells and the bells in the 70s that much, at least when I was going to church. The kneeling, they did other things, but we won't get into that. The standing, the sitting, all of these different types of things. It was done often out of obligation, but not really in that prayerful spirit, not seeing it as a prayer. But as I got older and I entered into the seminary and I understood a bit more about what prayer was and what the Mass was, I understood that we didn't go to Mass to pray, but the fact of the matter is that Mass was a prayer. In fact, it is the greatest of all prayers. It's the most important prayer that we have. Pope Emeritus, Pope Benedict says that the Eucharistic celebration, the Mass, is the greatest and highest act of prayer and constitutes the center and the source from which every other form of prayer receives nourishment. Liturgy of the Hours, Eucharistic Adoration, Lexio Divina, the Holy Rosary, Meditation, all other prayer comes from the greatest prayer, which is the Mass. And why is the, the Mass the most perfect, the most important prayer? Because it is the prayer of Jesus, the High Priest, who in the Spirit offers himself as a sacrifice to the Father. And we are here allowed to participate in this great prayer of Christ. We come to offer our adoration, our worship, our sacrifice, but it's ultimately the prayer of Jesus. That's why it's the greatest prayer. And as a priest, being able to act in the person of Christ, I come to know and really experience this in a way that has helped me to understand in a much deeper way, what it means not just to say the Mass, but to pray the Mass. Now, from that, like all prayer, prayer, the Mass, like all prayer, is not primarily about what we do, about how hard we're praying, or about how devoted we are, but instead, what God does. We talked about this earlier in Lent, this temptation that we have, that prayer becomes all about us, about our efforts, about what we do. And so it can lead us into this attitude where prayer becomes a time for us to be very busy. We've got to be doing a lot of stuff instead of maybe really praying. We want to be productive. We want to have results from our prayer. We want to make sure 
that we get holier. We want to make sure that God answers our prayers. And if we don't see results, then we become disappointed, maybe thinking God's not listening to us, or maybe our prayer is not very effective. And then through all this, a lot of the times, we can develop the attitude of, hey, I want to impress God. He's going to see how good my rosary is. I'm praying those five decades really devoutly, and he's going to love me. He's going to impress me. He's going to give me his grace. And so what happens is when we don't put enough effort into it, when we feel that we don't pray well enough, we can get very, very discouraged and disappointed. But all of this is such an error. It's so wrong. Indeed, we need to make an effort when we pray. And vocal prayer, meditation, these things are very, very important. But as a sister who I've quoted a fair amount over the missions that I've given over the course of Lent, Sister Ruth Burroughs, a Carmelite sister, said, Our Christian knowledge assures us that prayer is essentially what God does, how God addresses us, looks at us. It is not primarily something we are doing to God, something we are giving to God, but what God is doing for us. And what God is doing for us is giving us the divine self in love. What's the important point here? And this is the real central point of this first homily. That in our prayer, God is the primary actor. He is the protagonist. He is the one who drives the action. He's the one who gives. He's the one who transforms. He is the one in control, and we're not. We're not. Our job, instead, is to be open to receiving him, receiving his mercy, receiving his grace, receiving his love. But this, this is so difficult for many of us to understand. It's a real radical re-envisioning of prayer for many of us, because so often, we have that attitude, well, prayer time is my time. It's my time to give to God. It's my time to impress the Lord. But really, the difficult issue is that we don't want to let go of this because ultimately we don't want to let go of control. Prayer becomes the time when we control the outcome. We control what we say. We control what happens. But the fact of the matter is for prayer really to become effective, ourselves to be transformed, we've got to learn to let go and allow ourselves to receive and let God be, the Father be, the primary actor. And so if this is true for prayer in general, and as I said, if Mass is the perfect prayer, it is going to be even more important for Mass. And this perfect prayer of the liturgy and the perfect prayer of Mass, God is the main actor. He's the one who acts. He's the one who's in control. As Pope Benedict, writing as Cardinal Ratzinger, said, the uniqueness of the Eucharistic liturgy lies precisely in the fact that God himself is acting and that we are drawn into that action of God. It's the Son of God, Jesus Christ, offering himself as a sacrifice in the spirit of the Father. He's the one offering the sacrifice. He's the one transforming the world. The Father is the one pouring the Spirit through Christ upon us. The Father, Son, and Spirit are the ones who are acting. Now that doesn't mean that we should just sit in the pews and stare into space. 
Vatican II calls for the people to have an active participation in the liturgy. And yes, it means that we need to sing. We need to stand and to sit and to kneel and to say the prayers and get involved in the bodily gestures. But the problem is, if only thing it is are these exterior actions, just doing things, and then it's just movement or activity, and there's not something deeper, then it really isn't active participation. Because what happens is, for a while, this idea of active participation maybe could lead us to this idea that we've got to stay busy the whole entire time. We always have to be engaged. We always have to know what's going on, or ultimately, ah, our prayer's not that good. But once again, this is that temptation for us to say that our prayer in the Mass, the action of the Mass, is dependent upon us. On the other extreme, if we don't think it's dependent upon us, we just go through the motions and sit in the back seat. Active participation has to be something external, but more importantly, has to have an internal dimension in the heart, the mind, along with the body. We could be sitting in the pew, not saying you're doing anything, and we can and must be very, very active. And that action is going to be praying the Mass with our heart, with our soul, with our spirit. It's that attitude of prayer we talked about, of letting go and control and learning to receive and allow the Lord, who is the main actor, to work in our lives. It's that active receptivity of allowing the Lord in the Mass to transform us. This is the foundation for learning to receive more through the Mass. Knowing that God is the primary actor and that our active participation is allowing ourselves to receive Him and to receive the graces that are present in the Mass. And so our Gospel reading, what we focus on today, really embodies this. John's Gospel is unique that even though he talks about the Eucharist in John chapter 6, does not have the same account of the institution of the Eucharist as the other Gospels do. Instead, we have that ritual, the mandatum, of the washing of the feet, which we can interpret in light of the Eucharistic celebration. And so what do we see? Very, very clearly, Jesus is the main actor. He's the one guiding the action. He is in control, the one who gives himself, the one who serves, the one who loves, who washes the feet of the apostles. And so what is the role of the apostle? The role of the apostle is to allow Jesus to wash his feet, to allow the Lord to minister to him, to receive from Christ. But of course, we don't like this. St. Peter doesn't. Lord, you'll never wash my feet. In a certain sense, Peter is saying, Lord, I am in control. I'm the one dictating how you act and what goes on here. And so it's often the same reaction that we have. We come and we want to be in control. We don't want to sit back and receive. We don't want to let the Lord at Mass be the primary actor. But that's what's necessary. Letting Jesus take charge, letting the action of the Mass revolve around us if we want the Eucharist to change our lives. 
Because this washing of the feet, the action and the reception is what describes what goes on in Mass. Christ, the priest, is the main actor, offering the body and blood, his body and blood, to God the Father. And so as the congregation, the responsibility is to pray and, yes, to offer our own sacrifice. We're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. But we're there to receive, to say, Lord, act on me. I am here to pray knowing that you are the one who wants to give. You are the one who wants to transform. I'm here to receive. It sounds nice, but it's sort of nebulous, maybe a little too theological. How can we put this into practice? How can this come alive in our participation in the liturgy? The first way is what we probably are hopefully doing by now, maybe we quit doing it about two or three minutes ago, is listening. <laughs> listening. The readings that were picked for the church, for the Mass. And so often we come to Mass, we're not prepared. We have no idea what the readings are going to be. I had no idea what the different prayers are going to be. And even if we're in Mass, it's easy for our minds to wander, but quite often we completely check out. No idea. It asks you at the end of the Mass, what was the Gospel? 90% of the people, and probably 95% of the priests, couldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> we're not listening. We're not receiving. And so that's the first thing in that first part of the Liturgy of Eucharist and throughout the whole entire Mass. Let's actively listen. Receive the Word because Christ wants to speak to us, act on us. The Word needs to bear fruit, to take root in our heart. Not just come and say, all right, well, we're getting to the Mass. This first part of the Mass is almost over. The good part's coming where Jesus shows up. No, the Lord's there in the Word. And we can listen. That is the attitude of prayerful, active participation and receptivity. The second, as the obvious, clear one, is the reception of the Eucharist. Even though we're not obliged to receive the Eucharist, we could still, though, make a spiritual communion. It is the act of receiving. Jesus is the actor. He's the one giving. And we are receiving him. When we go back to the pew, and that time that we have... To not just sit there and think, man, I wonder if my fantasy football team is going to do well this weekend. Or, man, it's really a nice day. I hope there's not too big of a line of Piccadilly. Uh, whatever our mind is, instead, being there to receive Jesus, to let him minister to us, to let him transform us. It's so easy to space out. Allow Christ to do that work, to be present and active, even though you're not saying anything. Even though there may be complete and total silence and you're sitting there. That prayerfulness and that active participation in those moments after we receive the Eucharist should be, arguably in our parts, or your parts, the most intense of the Mass. The most intense of the Mass. The third thing, though, is where it all comes down to. And this is where I'm summing up what I wanted to talk about today. As a whole, we can pray and actively participate in this Mass by contemplating what goes on. And so often we can use different words to describe prayer. There's vocal prayer, there's meditation, but the highest form is what we call contemplation. There's so many different definitions. One of the best, though, is to say that this contemplation, this prayer's contemplation, is a simple gaze on the truth in love. To behold the Lord and His beauty. Contemplate. 
like contemplating a truth, contemplating a beautiful sunset, looking at a beautiful work of art. Whatever it is, if we know that experience of contemplating beauty, our intellect might be engaged, but so much more. We're just soaking it in. We're allowing ourselves to receive whatever it is that we are contemplating. And we can perceive and understand on a much deeper level. And there's so many chances for us to do this in Mass. In the music, even though you may not understand the words, it doesn't matter. Beautiful, gradual, we heard today, to sit there and allow the Lord to minister to us in that way, to contemplate the beauty. That's prayer. The action of the Eucharistic prayer, even though you may not see everything that's going on, to use your eyes and heart to contemplate it, to let it soak in and reach into our hearts, or even the washing of the feet or the procession or whatever we do today. These are all forms of contemplation. And we often don't like it, though, just to sit there and to soak it up and receive and contemplate because we want to understand very intellectual sort of community and culture. That's good and important. But what does Jesus tell to Peter? You're not going to understand this now when I'm washing your feet. And even though he doesn't understand it, it still has an effect on Peter. It still has an impact. He's still clean. But we want to understand. We want to grasp because we want to control. To let go and let the beauty of the liturgy let Jesus act on us and change us. It's through that contemplation of the Mass, the active participation, that we begin to change. And so, in conclusion, we can take this disposition of contemplation and prayer in Mass, but ultimately has to take it outside of Mass to our general prayer, and we're going to have the perfect opportunity. And the contemplation of Mass, after this Mass, the chance to spend some time with Jesus contemplating him in the Eucharist and adoration until midnight. It's going to be a chance for great prayer. In the dark, sitting in the silence with Jesus, just being with him. No need to do anything. Resting with him. Contemplating with him. Allowing the Lord in his own way to act on us, transform his, our lives, and make our hearts more open to receive his grace, to receive his love, to receive his very self.